Well, good morning, everyone. I'm John Schmidt. I'm the senior pastor here at Centerpoint Fellowship. I want to welcome you to our first worship service for 2018. And I want to give a prophecy. This year, things in your life will change. Mind blown. Okay. Hey, we entitled this series Changing for the Better because sometimes what happens in our lives is we start thinking, hey, I just want to keep everything the way it is and I don't want change. And I want to tell us today, A, it's not realistic, and B, we need to be excited about change and embrace the change that's coming and the changes that are coming our way in 2018. In fact, inside your bulletin, you'll find an outline entitled Embracing Change. As Christians, we believe that God is watching over us, that God will guide us, and so we can face the future unafraid. If that's good news to you this morning, would you say amen? amen. Okay, then let's talk about change. I'm going to have a word of prayer, and we're going to jump right in. Lord, I want to thank you for the opportunity to be here today. I want to thank you for a new year on the calendar. Lord, more than the date is going to change this year. We're going to have events that are exciting in our lives. Some of the events in our lives are going to be painful. Lord, some things in our lives, you're going to challenge us to take a step up from where we've been. And I pray, Lord, whatever changes come our way, Lord, that we'd be confident in you. And today, you would encourage us about embracing change, not fighting against it, not running away from it. So, Lord, I pray that you'll speak and move me out of the way and get us ready for change in 2018. In the name of Christ, I pray. Amen. Yeah, it's often said, I mean, sometimes it's really funny. There's some good quotes. Mark, I got a Mark Twain quote on the back of the outline for you here. He said, I'm in favor of progress. It's change I don't like. And that's the way it is. And churches, I've often heard it put, the only people inside of a church that like change are the babies in the nursery. And that might be true too. But the idea is that when change comes along, we don't need to resist it. Here are a couple of reasons why. First of all, change is a natural part of life. It's a natural part of life. Solomon said so in Ecclesiastes 3. <clears throat> for everything, there is a season, a time for every activity under heaven, a time to be born and a time to die, a time to plant and a time to harvest, a time to kill, a time to heal, a time to tear down and a time to build up, a time to cry and a time to laugh, a time to grieve and a time to dance, a time to scatter stones and a time to gather stones, a time to embrace and a time to turn away, a time to search and a time to quit searching time to keep, time to throw away. I'm going to make sure my wife underlines that one. Anyway, um, a time to tear and a time to mend, a time to be quiet and a time to speak, a time to love and a time to hate, a time for war and a time for peace. God has made everything beautiful for its own time. Could we read that last sentence there, starting with God has made together, please? God has made everything beautiful for its own time. We go through seasons in the weather. Right now, for those of you watching online, I want to welcome you, but uh, here in Alabama, it's cold. We've had a whole week of winter, okay? And uh, normally, we don't have a whole week of winter. We'll have an hour or two or a day or two, but this is winter. How many of y'all believe it's going to get hot later this summer, though? Yeah, it's going to change. The weather's going to change. The stock market's going to change. Relationships are going to change. Some of you will start a new job. Some of you will leave a job. Some of you, you're getting married this year. Some of you, some of us are going to face the loss of a loved one this year. Some of us, things are going to be on the way up. And some of us, we're going to, our health will be on the way up. And some of us, we're going to face an illness or an injury this year. Things like this are going to happen. The question is, are we ready for that? And how are we going to handle it? 
Because the Bible says that change is a natural part of life. Solomon in Ecclesiastes, he was just saying, hey, this is the way things work. And the reason I'm bringing all this up is sometimes when changes come our, life, come our, come our way in life, we talk about it and say, why is this happening? Well, Solomon said, well, it happens to everybody. It's not a question of whether we will face change. It's how will we face change. And this whole series, we're doing a whole series on this because there's lots of practical things we can do. But before we got to some of the steps on how to face change, I want to talk about our attitude in facing change. That's what this message is about. And the first thing we need to understand is that it's a mark of wisdom. This is a life application here. It's a mark of wisdom to know what, when, and how to change. And so the Bible has lots of practical wisdom. We're going to be unpacking that over the next three weeks after this week. Today we're talking about just getting ready for it and embracing it and wanting it. But the other part of it is, is that we need wisdom to navigate it. Here's a verse tucked away in 1 Chronicles 12, 32. David um, was becoming the king at the time here in 1 Chronicles. David has just become king. He's setting up his government. And so it gives a list of all of his soldiers and all the different people who were serving in different positions. And then 1 Chronicles 12, 32, it talks about 200 men. There were people from the 12 tribes, from the tribe of Issachar. There were 200 leaders. And here's what's special about them. From the tribe of Issachar, there were 200 leaders from the, of the tribe with their relatives. And all these men, listen to this, understood the signs of the times and knew the best course for Israel to take. It's not that change won't happen. It's that when change happens, who are you going to talk to? Where are you going to get counsel? Well, David had an invaluable resource. He had 200 men who knew the signs of the times. They understood the changes in the economy. They understood the changes in the climate. They understood the political changes going on around them so they could be ready for battle. They could be ready for blessing. Whatever was coming their way, they were going to be ready. And so they're listed there. Only 200 men from that tribe, thousands of soldiers from some other tribes. But these were very valuable because they could give wisdom. And that's what we need from God. We need wisdom. Here's the good news. God will give us wisdom and help us navigate the changes coming our way. If that's good news for you, would you say amen? It's good news. So point two, first of all, change is a natural part of life, so we don't need to be afraid of it. Secondly, change is at the heart of what it means to follow Jesus. I mean, if anybody is going to be unafraid of change or if anybody should embrace change, it should be Christians. Why? Well, first of all, through salvation, God changes our status. Hopefully you've understood that you come to Christ because you need your sins forgiven and you need to be made into a brand new person. This is what the Bible says happens. I tell you the truth, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life and will not be condemned. He's crossed over from death to life. That's John and John, that's Jesus in John 5, 24. In Galatians 4, Paul says, God sent Jesus to buy freedom for us who were slaves to the law so that he could adopt us as his very own children. And because we're his children, God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, prompting us to call out Abba, Father, which means basically calling God Dad on a first name basis, on a term of endearment. Now you're no longer a slave, but God's own child. And since you're his child, God has made you his heir. So when I come to Christ, I come to Christ precisely because I need a change. I once was lost, but now I'm found. I was blind, but now I see. I was dead, now I'm alive. I was a slave, but now I'm free. I was condemned, but now I'm justified. I was an orphan, now I'm an heir adopted into God's family. 
My old life is gone. New life has begun. And if that's good news for you this morning, would you say amen? amen. So as Christians, we got to say, well, change is what it means to come to Christ. I mean, that's what salvation is. It's a change of status from dead to life. This is why we come. But there's more, and this is point B, through the ongoing process of sanctification. Salvation is when my status has changed. In sanctification, God changes my heart and character. It's an ongoing process. I mean, the parallel to it is this. Uh, my middle son, Evan, uh, married the girl of his dreams uh, three weeks ago from yesterday, uh, right before Christmas. It was a whirlwind romance of seven and a half years. But anyway, they got it done. And, um, <laughs> and the truth is, the minute after they were pronounced husband and wife, they were just as married as Debbie and I are. And Debbie and I, this year, will be celebrating our 32nd anniversary later this year. But we're no more married than they are. Our status is the same. Married filing jointly. <laughs> status changed. At the wedding, the status changes. So salvation is like the wedding. Sanctification is like the marriage, which is an ongoing process of change. Can I get an amen on that one? Oh, yeah. For those of you who aren't married, you'll understand one day. Okay? It's an ongoing process. And they're discovering those things now as newlyweds. We're still discovering things 31 years in. Okay. Anyway, you know, that kind of look like, why would you think that way? And who are you? Okay, and how, how is that possible? Because we're always discovering new things that we've never talked about. And so it's a wonderful part of life that God allows us to do that together. But in 2 Corinthians 5.17, the Bible reminds us that that sort of process begins when we come to Christ. Paul said there, this means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone. A new life has begun. Please underline begun. Jesus said, we're born again. But he doesn't want us to stay infants. In fact, my job description, the job description of all of our staff here and of our leadership in our church is to help people grow. Ephesians 4, to help people grow up in their faith. Now, these are the gifts Christ gave to the church, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers. Listen to this. Their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work, build up the church, the body of Christ. This will continue until we all come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's Son that we'll be mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. God wants us to grow. I want my kids to grow. I loved it that my middle son got married. My oldest son got married a couple of years ago. And then, not to be outdone, our third son, a week after Christmas, well, he proposed and got engaged. So we're just trying to make every big announcement we could during the last 10 days, okay, during a 10-day period. But the idea was this, is that I'm excited. The reason I bring it up is I'm excited when they hit these different checkpoints in their life, these different milestones. I loved it when they were playing Little League. I loved coaching them. I loved it when I didn't have to coach anymore. Can I get an amen on that? Okay, anyway. But I loved, watch, I loved watching them grow and mature. My job as a pastor is to help you grow and mature. That's one of the reasons we prepare these outlines. It's one of the reasons I hope you'll make it a priority to come to worship services and grow. Grow in our faith. Grow in our ability to praise God. Our worship team, they prepare wonderful worship songs and things so that we can learn to praise God better. And it's wonderful when we come to praise him together. 
It's why we have small groups, why we want you to have a Bible study plan, why we have financial peace seminars where we can help you learn to honor God with your money. We want all of the people that can be influenced by our church to grow. This is what we're trying to do here, grow together. We're using our resources. We're pooling our talents and resources to help that happen. And that brings us to note there, spiritual growth is impossible without change. It's impossible without change. Paul fussed at the Corinthians, as a matter of fact, because he'd been away for a while, and they hadn't made much progress. They weren't trying to grow. Listen to what he wrote in 1 Corinthians 3. Dear brothers and sisters, when I was with you, I couldn't talk to you as I would to spiritual people. I had to talk as though you belonged to the world or as though you were infants in the Christian life. I had to feed you with milk, not solid food, because you weren't ready for anything stronger. And you still aren't ready, for you're still controlled by your sinful nature. Jealous of one another, you quarrel with each other. Doesn't this prove you're controlled by your sinful nature? Aren't you living like people of the world? I mean, think about this. To be a Christian, we shouldn't be afraid of change. We signed up for change. I signed up to be saved from my sins. And as a Christian, when I'm born again, I want to grow. I want to grow. That's why the life application there is surrendering our lives to the Lord and trusting him to grow us up that should be our delight. So why would I run away from changes that are going to come my way this year? I want change. Because spiritual growth is impossible without it. Trust in the Lord. This is David talking about this. Trust in the Lord and do good. And then you'll live safely in the land and prosper. Take delight in the Lord. He'll give you your heart's desires. Commit everything you do to the Lord. Trust him and he'll help you. I mean, David is saying this. It's like, here's the best part about change. When you come to the Lord, if you surrender your plans, you surrender your dreams, you surrender your heartaches, you surrender your problems, you surrender the blessings, you surrender the battles, you surrender every single part of your life to the Lord, he'll guide you along the best path. He'll show you what to do. He'll help you. So even though we're going to face change that's an inevitable part of the, the world, He's going to give us wisdom like the men of Issachar had. So we'll know what to do. We'll be able to read the signs of the times and take the best course of action. If that's good news for you, would you say amen? I hope you can tell I'm not neutral on this topic. I'm looking forward to 2018. I hope you are too. God is going to grow you and me this year if we'll, if we'll allow him. God's going to stretch us this year if we'll allow him. He wants to change us. Let's not fall in the trap of, oh, I don't want any change. I don't want anything to change. I just want to keep everything the same. First of all, it's not reality. That's not the way things work in this world. Secondly, we're not going to allow God to guide us and help us grow in wisdom as we navigate the changes. It's par for the course. We signed up for the course. Let's get on with the course. Of course. Okay, point three. We can choose today how we will respond to changes that are coming our way this year. Remember, I told you, I made a prophecy. Change is coming. It's coming. There'll be changes that we're excited about, the blessings. There'll be changes that we're not so excited about, and some of them will be battles. Battles and blessings are part of life. Keep that in mind as we go through these attitudes that you and I need to embrace. Four attitudes. First of all, we can choose to thank God for the blessings he'll give us. I want to start with the part that's easy. Blessings are going to come your way this year. There were blessings that came your way last year. There were. 
And it's always important in the middle of the year when things are changing to count our blessings. And often we don't take stock and do that, and we need to. That's why we make a big deal out of Thanksgiving. Problem is, Thanksgiving's almost at the end of the year. We ought to have Thanksgiving every other month. Make sure we're saying thanks often enough. Psalm 103.1, let all that I am praise the Lord. With my whole heart, I'll praise his holy name. Let all that I am praise the Lord. Man, never forget the good things he does for me. He forgives all my sins. He heals all my diseases. He redeems me from death. He crowns me with love and tender mercy, and he fills my life with good things. If that's true for you, would you say amen? Okay, so we need to thank God for the blessing. But we also need to rejoice. Here's point B. We need to choose to rejoice in the battles. We can choose to rejoice that God will mature us through hardships and difficulties because those are also coming our way. They will. Some of you have already said, oh, I've already found them. I mean, straight off the top of the deck. He dealt me a difficulty January 2. Could be. Blessings are going to come your way. Hardships and difficulties are going to come our way. Uh, Rick Warren, the guy who wrote uh, The Purpose Driven Life, said he saw life as it's not just hills and valleys with blessings and battles. He said it's really more like railroad tracks that run a parallel course. Sometimes we have blessings and battles going on at the same time. I mean, I heard him talk on this once, and he was saying when he wrote The Purpose Driven Life, it was the fastest selling Christian book of all time. And he was so excited because people were reading it, and it was helping a lot of people. He had a lot of influence to tell people about Jesus. He was so excited about it. About the time when it was just gaining steam, he found out his wife had cancer. She was diagnosed with cancer. And so they had a big battle going on at the same time as there was a blessing. That's the way it works in your life and mine too. There'll be periods of blessing, periods of battles. Time to gather stones, time to scatter stones. A time to embrace and a time to turn away. A time to heal, a time to die, a time to plant, a time to harvest. A time to cry and a time to laugh. This is going to happen. Well, then, John, why are you telling us about this? Because James says, consider it pure joy, my brothers. Listen to this. Consider it pure joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials of many kinds. Why? Because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance. Perseverance must finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. Remember, God's going to grow us up. That was his goal. He wants to make us mature. Well, one of the most effective teachers in helping us mature is allowing us to go through hardships and difficulties. But the Bible tells us we don't go through them alone. He's always there right beside us. David said, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, you're there right beside me. So we don't have to be afraid. In fact, James says, you can rejoice. When you're going through a hard time, you can actually have peace about this. And people go, why would you have peace about this? This is awful. Yeah, but you know what? God's going to use this in some way to mature me and strengthen me if I'm willing just to allow him to do what he wants to do in my life. Mm. I can thank you for the blessings. I can rejoice in the middle of the battles. Here's a third thing I can do. I can choose to obey when God corrects me. John, you're not making me feel any better about the year. <laughs> okay. Hey, there's some correction coming too. Remember, we're going to grow up. Well, he's going to show us some things in our lives that, and sometimes they'll be exposed during a hardship, but there's also going to be times when people, our friends or our loved ones, are actually going to sit down with us and go, hey, John, you need to work on this. This isn't your strength. John, you've taken this on. This is too much for you. 
John, you need to apologize. Things like that will be said to all of us this year. By people we love, people we trust, they're not against us. They're on our team. Well, why are they doing this? Why is God allowing this? Because he wants us to get rid of bad attitudes, bad habits, things that are going to hold us back. So the question is, how am I going to respond? If I know it's coming, I can pray about it now. So how should we respond? Hebrews 12 tells us, For the Lord disciplines those he loves, and he punishes each one he accepts as his child. As you endure this divine discipline, remember that God is treating you as his own children. Who ever heard of a child who's never disciplined by its father? God doesn't discipline you as he does all of his children. It means you're, in, you're illegitimate and not really his children at all. Since we respected our earthly fathers who disciplined us, shouldn't we submit even more to the discipline of, our, of the father of our spirits and live forever? It's a rhetorical question. The answer is, of course. So this year, if people I love, people I trust, pull me aside in love, confront me about something I need to change, how am I going to respond? <clears throat> who do you think you are? I don't need any of this. Or am I going to say, hmm, is there merit in what they're saying to me? Why would the people who love me the most be in agreement on this? Lord, do I need to change? And if we're willing to come with that attitude, we'll be amazed at how far we can grow this next year. I hope that at the beginning of 2019, you and I could look at other people around us and go, it's amazing how much you've grown spiritually this last year. I mean, what if that was our desire? I want to become more loving. I want to become more generous. I want to become more forgiving. I want to get rid of some of the things that wasted a ton of time in my life. I want to be able to let go of some of these hurts that have just controlled my emotions and thinking for far too long. This is the year. God, would you help me? Mm -hmm. He'll help us through blessings. Might be a friend to come alongside you. Help us through uh, correction. That same friend says, hey, you need to change this. It's coming this year. Fourth attitude we can have, we can choose to depend on the Lord to guide us. This is what I've been mentioning all along. We're not alone. Please hear the good news. Change is coming. We're not going through it alone. God's the one who gave wisdom to the men of Issachar. He'll give wisdom to us too. Psalm 32. I'll instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I'll counsel you and watch over you. Just don't be like the horse or the mule, which have no understanding, but must be controlled by bit and bridle, or they will not come to you. He said, don't be a stubborn mule. Do I have to drag you in? I hope when you hear challenges for us over the next few weeks, we'll be talking about how to successfully read the Bible and how to have pray and other things, how to be involved in a small group. Please don't look at this as drudgery. Oh, I've got to read the Bible. It's just got hope and peace and joy. Hmm. I hope you look at it as a delight. Hey, this is my chance to improve. This is, this is God's gift to me to help me. Don't be like a horse or a mule digging in your heels. I'm not going to change. I'm just fighting God. Instead going... Lord, please help me. Psalm 18:32. God arms me with strength. He makes my way perfect. He makes me as sure-footed as a deer, enabling me to stand on the mountain heights. Have you ever seen one of those 
National Geographic specials, these mountain goats just, or mountain deer just climbing up the side of a cliff. You go, how do they even know where to stand? I mean, I would fall to my death, and they run right across it. And David says that's the way we can be if we depend on the Lord. Right in the margin, um, Psalm 5.3. Can you guys put that up for us, please? This is not in your bulletin. And I'm sorry I didn't put it in there. I just, uh, I don't know why I didn't. But it's like, this is so important. It's why we want to pray to the Lord at the beginning of each day. Listen to my voice in the morning, Lord. Each morning I bring my request to you and I wait expectantly. Each morning I'm going to bring my request to you and wait expectantly. I mean, what if that was our attitude? Lord, I know changes are coming my way. Some of them are going to be blessings. Some are going to be battles. I'm going to face corrections, but Lord, I need your guidance. And so every morning, I'm going to set up some time with you before the day begins, because I want to grow this year. I'm not afraid of change. I want you to change me. I want to grow. I signed up for it. That's why I became a Christian. I was tired of running my life in the ground. Lord, I want you to run my life and take me as far as you want me to go. I'll cooperate. I won't be a stubborn mule. This morning, I want you to hear from Jack Clark. Um, he is somebody whom the Lord has changed a great deal through uh, time in the Word and through being involved in a small group. He's cooperating with God now. I want you to hear um, some of his reflections on this. My name is Jack Clark. Um, I've been a Christian for many years, but I just never seemed like I was developing that relationship with God. I'd go to church on Sunday, and that was pretty much it. When I was asked to become a Connect Group leader, I was really nervous about it because I thought, you know, I don't know if you know who I am. I don't know if I'm the guy that needs to be leading a Connect Group. Um, and when I talked to my wife about it, she said, Jack, you keep asking for God to use you, and if you keep turning them down, I mean, he's not going to use you. And so um, I stepped out on that, and, and that started really changing my life because um, I started preparing for Connect Group each week. And then uh, a year and a half ago, a friend of mine uh, called me and challenged me to um, begin getting in God's Word, just uh, taking portions of, of Scripture and reading them and um, talking about what God is, is saying to me through that scripture. And I was very apprehensive at first because I was already preparing for Thursday morning and um, I wasn't sure that I had the time. And um, then I realized that was yet another excuse of, of not getting more involved. And um, so I took the challenge and um, what was interesting to me is we would read the scripture and text back and forth uh, what God was saying to, to us in that. And so I could see what God was saying to the other two guys and what he was saying to me. And um, it really got me excited because it, um, I'd always heard about God speaking to you through his word and through prayer. And, and maybe he did, maybe he didn't throughout my life. But um, here I was living it and I was seeing it actually uh, come alive. My walk with Christ has, has gotten so much closer because I'm in His Word daily and I'm, I'm spending intentional time reading His Word, seeking His face and seeking His will for my life. And um, if I want to be a disciple and make other disciples, then 
I have to be in His Word, and I have to know what He wants me to do. After I did it, and I saw the change in how my walk with Christ got closer and more in depth, more personal, I got excited, and so um, I got two other guys to do to do it, and then two other guys, and two other guys, and and I can read uh, um, portions of Scripture that I've read before, and God speaks to me about something else out of that same Scripture. It's just amazing to me. The same Scripture. And it's something completely different. It's something that I need to hear. And so, and then when I hear what he's speaking to these other guys, it speaks to me too. Their walk with Christ has gotten closer, and they're hearing God speak to them. It just gets me excited that that um, I'm a part of this. It's like, wow, God, you really are using me. Yeah, you can applaud that. Okay, so, so here's where we are. We're at the beginning of a new year. We've got a whole series on change. We're going to give you lots of practical tips on how to change. But the first tip is this. I don't need to run away from it. As a Christian, I signed up to change. I came to Christ because he gives me a new life. I didn't want to just begin the new life. I want to grow. So when hard times come, I'm going to seek the Lord. Not just bellyache that I'm getting a raw deal. When good times come, I'm going to thank the Lord for the blessings he's giving me. I'm going to ask, how can I use this to bless others? I'm going to seek his guidance, and I'll accept his discipline and obey. Those are decisions I can make right now, today. So can you, and so we're going to have a word of prayer about it right now. Would you pray with me, please? Lord, we are on the first Sunday of a brand new year, and I don't want us to waste any of this year. We've got the vast majority of it right in front of us, square in front of us right now. And, Lord, we can get into self-pity parties that will waste our lives. Lord, if we sit there and say it's not fair that some hard changes came away. Hard changes come to all of us sooner or later. That's a natural part of life. And as a Christian, Lord, as a Christian, I signed up to change. But, Lord, I can't do it without your help. So, Lord, we come before you in praise and adoration. We thank you, Lord, that you are greater than any problem we're going to face. We come before you, Lord, knowing that you are the source of all wisdom and you're going to guide us. We thank you for sending your son, Jesus, to give us life from death. We thank you for for your forgiveness, for giving us a place in your family, for adopting us and making us heirs of yours and co-heirs with Christ. We ask, Lord, that you would use your Holy Spirit, that you would empower us through the Holy Spirit, that you would guide us and empower us in our daily lives. Open our eyes, Lord, so we can see your greatness, your majesty, and your victory on our behalf. Oh, Father God, we pray that you will give us obedient hearts, that we won't be stubborn like mules and have to be dragged into obedience, that we would delight in listening to you, that each morning we would come to you because your mercies are new every morning, and you are so faithful. Lord, we thank you for the year ahead. We thank you for the blessings coming our way. And we thank you in advance for all that you're going to give us. We rejoice too, even in the hard times, knowing that you will somehow use these for our good. We thank you for friends and counselors, advisors, even pastoral staff here at the church who can help us and probably correct us because we're all going to need it somewhere during the year. Help us accept correction. 
Please, Lord, strip us of pride and vanity. And Father, cause us to become more dependent on you. We can't do this without you. We don't even want to try. Thank you for the year ahead. Thank you for the changes that you're going to bring. We surrender the year to you. In the name of Jesus, in the strong name of Jesus Christ our Lord, we pray these things together. Amen.